Welcome to the Founders Podcast. Whose bright idea was this anyway? I'm Andrew Peyton Smith, founder and CEO of Jizoodle. And welcome to a very special edition of the Founders Podcast, Whose Bright Idea Is This Anyway? And we've got rather unusual circumstances happening at the moment with the spread of the coronavirus or COVID-D now being declared pandemic, and we don't want to get anyone too alarmed. But there are certain things that I think we need to prepare for all businesses. So when we do come out the other side of, um, of this latest scare, that businesses are in as good a shape as possible. Now we've got an amazing guest who is um, who, who we've been collaborating with now for, for the last how long? I'm not quite sure. It's quite some time now. And what we've tried to do is build a set of resources that all businesses can utilize and to download um, without sign up or, or or anything that can download and use those in their business. And I'd like to introduce you to Brad Horan. He's the uh, founder and CEO of Lucrature. And Lucrature's financial peak performance system was devised by Brad over seven years ago to help companies supercharge their business. Um, Brad started his career as a chartered accountant in New Zealand and quickly realized that something was missing from his world. He believed that simply working on tax affairs of businesses was not telling the full picture of business success. Welcome, Brad, and welcome to the Founders Podcast. Thanks, Andrew. Glad to be here. Really excited about uh, the work we've been working on and the various things and, and just uh, to be on a podcast with you. It's really fun. It's a shame we're not in the same room on Zoom here, so uh, that's, that's good. It's a great way for people to understand things that they can do in their business as well if they're usually doing face-to-face. Absolutely. No, no risk of COVID-19 transmission between the two of us as we're on separate <laughs> sites and we can't shake each other's hand today. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, Brad, and uh, and your career today. Yeah, it's been, um, my career has taken a bit of a sort of um, twist and turn along the way. If I start from the very beginning, actually, uh, at school, I was quite good at art and quite good at numbers. And, you know, everyone told me you can't make any money in art. So here I am uh, as a chartered accountant. And uh, <laughs> my teacher was mortified when she heard I was going to university and doing finance but yeah. uh, my art teacher. But, but I think I've always sort of had a little bit of a creative side there. And, and so then when I moved into um, the accounting piece, there's actually surprisingly quite a lot of creativity that uh, comes with accounting, which a lot of people don't realize. But I started off in a public practice doing tax and things like that. And I loved the problem solving. Um, you know, there's one particular thing that we put together in New Zealand at the time, mm. which allowed people with a company to claim to offset their personal income against that. Now, last year it got wound up, but yeah. um, that whole, whole process, probably because the government was losing too much money, but uh, me and the partner of the firm actually came up with that whole concept and we got a, a public ruling for it and it was really, really cool and I really enjoyed that aspect. But I really found that there was sort of something missing around, mm. you know, how can we make business better? And yeah. just coincidentally, back in the 90s, which is when I sort of started the chart of accounting, there was a big movement to digital. Mm. We talk about digital now, but there was a big movement back then to digital yeah. too. And uh, I was involved just because I was a young accountant. I was automatically thrown into those positions to you know, make this work for this client with the software, make this happen. And I quickly realized that 
having the software was just a very small part of it and yeah. that you needed to have a process to manage the business and that you needed to know what you wanted to measure to understand what's happening in your business. Mm. And then you needed to know how to work with the people. But at that point, I was a bit too young to really sort of put all the dots together mm. and I wanted to travel. So I traveled the world and I went to Europe and I said, I'm not yeah. going to be an accountant. I'm going to work in a bar. But that didn't happen <laughs> the money was so good. <laughs> it was boom times. So I would work doing contract accounting for a few months and then travel for a few months, and it was great. But during that time, I worked for some really big businesses, and I worked on a number of process-type roles as well, like helping them figure out how do they manage their business. And that was really interesting for me, and I learned a lot through that. And then sort of leap jump, you know, a few more years, and and I was doing a similar thing in, in Asia, ended up going into a consulting firm with a friend of mine and getting yeah. engaged with business. And this is where we really started to marry finance with operations. And we really yeah. start to put some structure around what is it that businesses need. And mm. for me, that was really super exciting. And that's where the, the financial peak performance framework came from. And um, it's really been an iteration probably for more than seven years, probably since yeah. dot when I first started in the accounting world. But uh, it was really exciting to sort of bring together those pieces. You know, what's the, the vision that someone has about their business? And then yeah. how do you build processes to achieve that vision? And then what do you need to measure to know whether yeah. you're succeeding or not? Because waiting until the end of the month, end of the year, well, it's a bit, you know, what happens? Hit, hit and miss. <laughs> and then as you grow, how do you get people on board with it? How do you get, yeah. you know, when it's just yourself or you and three others, you can sit in a t- around a table and say, hey, do this, do that, do the other. Yeah, good idea. Let's move on. Once you mm. get to six, eight, ten, twenty, fifty, hundred, you can't do that anymore. So you need to have a, a framework to communicate and get people on the same page, and not just yeah. tell them here's here's the strategy or here's the vision. You need to know that the decisions they're making, you know, relate yeah. to that. And so that's where the where the framework was born from over many many years of sort of trying to do things primarily with uh, much larger businesses and then scaling yeah. the different sides. And, and, I, and I love it actually it's something that I really enjoy now so it's not it's a fair way from tax affairs but it's yeah. uh, it's still heavily accounting based and you must get a, a real lot of joy of actually seeing taking a business from one point in time to another and to see that to, to see the changes in that business which which is not only affecting the business um, performance but also the culture of that business and the whole management ethos of that business over time yeah, there's, there's two things that I really like. I mean, obviously, I'm a numbers guy, so I like mm. any change in numbers that are positive. And yeah. I've been working with a client recently. Uh, you know, we started off, he was a bit sort of suffocated in his business. Yeah. He didn't quite know where he was going, what he wanted to do. Mm. We sat down and worked out that he was actually doing great in certain customers and losing money in others. And in yeah. a short time, we were able to increase his profit by 100% by actually removing some customers and going through repricing and then focusing on those customers that were more profitable. Yeah. And and the other side of it was that he was working so many hours. And this is the other piece. So one is the numbers. The other one is more, I get. I guess, I don't know if emotional is the right word, but mm. I guess having some freedom. You know, a lot of people start a business. They want to have freedom in their business. Um, yeah. That's why they start it, because they hate being told what to do or because they have a great idea and they don't want someone else to do it. But they want to create this beast that they can do the fun stuff and not do all the other stuff. And they end up yeah. often being in the opposite position. Mm. You're employing someone to do your fun jobs and you're doing all the rubbish stuff that you don't like. Yeah. And so being able to, this 
you know, having an infrastructure to manage your business allows you to get back to those fun things and allows you to have trust in people. And, and that's one piece that uh, I never really thought that it would happen and that I would be involved heavily in it, but it's quite amazing. It's quite an emotional piece. And I've had, you know, clients say to me that they've got their life back or I can mm. breathe again now or, you know, and these things. And, and it's something that I think is, um, it's a byproduct, but it's a really important aspect. And more and more business owners that I talk to today, yeah. that's actually what they're looking for. They're, they're yeah. looking for a way to step back a little bit and focus on very specific areas and mm. allow the business to run itself on its own. But it's very hard to do that without a, some sort of a framework that, exactly what's going on and you can tweak things and people yeah. understand what they're trying to achieve. So, I mean, they're a complex thing, you know, businesses. It's yeah. much more complex. There's human relations, but at a much larger scale, you know, so those oh, absolutely. are very complex. Absolutely. A lot of management thought is, um, is, is suggests that you, in order to be able to properly analyze a business, you have to look at the business as a living system and a system of individual parts that then interact with each other and cause problems and friction and, and so forth, and but to get all of those moving parts moving in that same direction. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's not easy, but you can make it easier. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> place the right things in your business. Absolutely. So one of the um, external parts of the system is the wider economy. And um, uh, <laughs> obviously with um, there's, there's uh, a few things going on in the world at the moment with the COVID-19 outbreak, which has been officially declared as a pandemic today by the World Health Organization. Certainly through my career, I think I'm a little bit older than you, uh, by a little way, actually, I know that the, the business world is littered with business shocks. And what is shocking in, in many respects is they are seen as shocks because business cycles happen and they happen regularly as a cycle, for goodness sake. I think there's a little bit of a difference between what's happening at the moment because that wasn't expected and and has come out of uh, almost in, uh, out of nowhere. And Brad and I got talking some weeks back now to say, well, how can we actually help the business community? What can we do to put our brains together to actually provide a set of uh, resources? And how can we collaborate to help business owners get through this period? Because they certainly will. So maybe we can just um, discuss about some of the resources that we pulled to, uh, together uh, initially. The first of which has been a checklist for businesses to think about COVID-19 and some of the areas that they may need to think about to, to mitigate. So maybe you can take us through that a little bit, uh, Brad. Yeah, sure. I think that, you know, your first comment there is very important. I mean, don't panic. You know, let's not panic here. Let's just plan. And the reality is that this is a health risk, but it will have impacts on our businesses. And mm -hmm. the reason it's going to have impacts is because people are going to be quarantined, whether we yeah. like it or not, we're going to be asked to be quarantined, and that's going to reduce demand and potentially supply. So it's yeah. quite different to typical shock where we see something along the lines of, you know, lack of confidence means that you can't borrow money mm. or these sort of things, which is quite different. They don't necessarily that they do cause supply and demand issues because of uh, what people have access to funds. But this is yeah. quite different because it's not money driven, but it could have impacts, you know, monetary impacts, of mm. course. So it, it's a bit of a, a tricky one. And some of the things that we've put together, I think, are short term for this particular situation and, and shouldn't be thought of as good practice necessarily for, for business forever. Mm. And I think it's important to recognize that. But I think, you know, if we sort of look at the checklist, what we're trying to do with it is just identify what are the things you should think about in your business to plan for the situation. 
And hopefully going through this checklist will help you relax a little bit and put mm-hmm. a plan. And once you have a plan, whenever you have a plan, you tend to say, okay, good, at least I have an idea of what I'm trying to achieve here. So so that's really probably the main goal, I think, for any business now. We, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. We can... You know, we, all we can do is, is put in a place a plan of the different things we think could happen and then see how it goes and adjust as we go. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's a plan of Very much good peace so. of mind. And, and the other thing about a plan is that other it helps you distribute that information to others in your business because there's no good you having a plan and knowing mm. exactly what's going to happen, nobody yeah. else does. Absolutely. Again, that, that can cause panic and, and stress and, and worry for people. So... Yeah. So, so Andrew and I sat down and went through a number of different sort of scenarios and came up with a number of areas uh, to talk about, you know, things to think about in your business. And that's what the checklist is all about. Should we go through the key yeah. areas, Andrew? Yeah, that, that'd, be, that'd be fantastic. So, you know, I think the first thing is, you know, it's a health issue. So plan for a safe workplace and I guess also at home as well, you know, and so... Mm. The things that you need to think about there is how do people move around in your workspace? If you're dealing with customers, how do they come in? If you've got people at front line, do you need everybody at front line? Can you reduce mm. that to less, you know, can you put in place some sort of barrier that says, okay, I have just two people in the front and then the other guys are out the back supporting them. That way, if they get sick, I don't have four or six or eight people getting sick. I've only got yeah. two and, you know, yes, we need to, they need to go into quarantine. They may just have a cold. But how do we sort of restrict and, and reduce that? Uh, yeah. Just like we're doing now, jump on a call, mm-hmm. um, a video call, rather than face-to-face or, or a phone call. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing is to just look around your environment. You know, what sort of furnishes, furnishings and fittings do you have? Um, you know, do you have big fluffy pillows that, uh, you know, could potentially be something that's difficult to clean and could potentially harbour any sort of infectious sort of uh, COVID-19 you know, disease it. So, you know, think about those things. Do we need to put those away for now? Do we need to yeah. get some sort of special problem? And to sanitize um, regularly on, on hard services. How, how, what is the sanitation, sanitization schedule, for instance? Yeah. And, and even just, just giving people access to hand sanitizers, giving them access to sanitization wipes so mm. they can do it themselves. Yeah. You know, you, I've seen a significant, at client sites, I've seen a significant uptick in people actually using those facilities Absolutely. So it's top of mind. You may not have to bring in cleaners. You may just make things available and people are happy mm. to do that themselves. If you can get the sanitizers in the supermarkets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, supermarkets are tough. But I think, um, you know, I think a lot of the commercial suppliers are still, still okay. Absolutely. That's a great um, point. Another thing is to look around your business. Do you have risky neighbours? You know, do you have a, a GP next door? Mm. Um, you know, there's nothing you can do about that, but how, how does that, can you ask people to come in the back door? Just be aware of what's going on around you. Do you have things that could be impacting your business that have nothing to do with you? Yeah, really important point. That's for sure. Another big one, which is, this is a bit of a contentious one, is travel plans to start. Mm. Look, it's, you know, asking people whether they have travel plans for personal travel, where they've been. I mean, it's, it's sort of breaking the boundaries in some ways to uh, mm. that person's work life. But I think, you know, I think it's an important thing to, to try to have a go at in a, in a respectful way, understanding. 
And again, it's just understanding the risk. And many, many businesses now have a policy that if you're going to travel to one of these places, that is at risk. Now that it's a global pandemic, just by the way, I do a lot of work in insurance. And generally, when there's a global pandemic, nobody is covered under their travel insurance for any hospital stays. So something to think about if you're traveling. That could be disastrous for the the corporate travel industry. That's for sure, for those, those plans being stopped. Absolutely. So if you are traveling, make sure you fully understand what you're covered for. Because if you're going to the US, you know, you're talking about uh, if you're in isolation in a hospital, you might be up for a few hundred thousand dollars US. Mm. So, you know, I think that's that's a really important aspect is to yeah. ask your, your staff and, and put in place a policy. So many businesses now say, if you're going there, that's fine. When you come back, you work from home for two weeks, you're in quarantine. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not an expert on Australian laws. I doubt that you can say, don't come back to work and we don't pay you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are going to be challenges around this for businesses to work out what can they, can't they do. Yeah, um, so absolutely. It's tricky. It's tricky. I think, and I think that leads us on to uh, a really good segue on to, into the next, next section. Obviously, advice um, at the moment, if you've come into contact with COVID-19 risk of transmission or have caught the, uh, the virus, that you um, self-isolate or, or are isolated um, yourself. And that poses some risks for businesses with um, uh, with loss of staff. Maybe you could talk about how businesses can assess the risk and plan for potential either uh, whole or partial shutdown. Yeah, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think the first thing is to make sure that you have uh, really good communication plans and good policies in place that everybody understands what the rules are. Yeah, what they can and can't do and what they should and shouldn't do. So that's yeah. number one, I think. And then communication. Do, do you actually have a way to contact your people when they mm. leave the office? Um, do you have a way to contact them if they take their computer home and they can't log on to the system and, or if their internet's down? Or if, you know, I think you need to start to gather some multiple ways to communicate and yeah. make sure that you understand if your communications are being received. Yeah great to send a communication, but how do you know if people actually received it? So I think it's important to set up a, a two-way street here to say mm. to people, right, we're going to do this and we want you to respond um, yeah. so you know what's going on. I Absolutely. think that's really critical because because things will change rapidly yeah. and you won't know what's going on and people won't know and they won't know, do I, do I go in or not? Today, mm. a global pandemic was declared. Are you supposed to go to work? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I'm in Absolutely. the office. Should I be here? Yeah, I don't know, right? Yeah. So... Um, so I think I think that's really critical, and that's probably the first thing you should you should do. And then I think there's also something to think about is the things that are outside of your business, schools. If a school yep. shuts down, how many people in your business are going to have to care for their children? Um, yeah. Daycares, old people's homes, whatever. Right? These sort of yep. things, institutions might close down that aren't directly related, but are related to your staff. So what are you going to mm. do around that? In you know what are the rules, etc. Yeah. I think the other thing is that if you don't have it today, I'll be surprised, but putting in place some remote working capabilities. Now, these days, this is not hard. But of course, if your staff are frontline serving customers Mm -hmm. in in the store, that's not going to help you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But we can make phone calls. We can make Zoom calls. Can we do meetings from home? Can we communicate to clients from home? Can Can we take our PC home and use all the company letterhead and emails and things like that, just making sure that those things are working. And, and in this yeah. age, I think there's, there's a little excuse for being able to do that because there's so much technology available, but it does increase risk. So 
you may want some policies. Absolutely. Funnily enough, in uh, in my partner's business, she she has a retail medical clinic, and one of the one of the risk mitigation strategies that that she has brought into place is uh, for all patients that. Um, have been booked in over the next one, two, whatever days it is. There's a phone call to each of those patients uh, just to make sure that they are feeling well and to make sure they haven't visited any high-risk countries and so forth before they set foot into the clinic um, because obviously the last thing that she needs is uh, an infected patient coming in and that's potentially the business wiped out for two weeks potentially on that. So some, some great steps that can be taken in business. And that's a really good point. I mean, you may be thinking it takes time and effort and cost to do that, um, to make those phone calls, which is mm. true. But on the flip side, that if you do have to close down, that cost is going to be much greater. So you know, it's yeah. weighing those things up. I think the last piece around this is um, you know, knowing your rights and your workers' rights. Mm-hmm. What happens if you send people home? Do you, do you have to pay them or not? Do you want yeah. to pay them or not? How do you work this out? I, I do. I run a a COO forum for selling yeah. commands and we have a network in the US that connect to and in the US I know the rules in Australia are different so it may not work mm. but in the US what some of the employees are doing is they're saying they're going to pay people for up to 30 days sick leave and they're going to claw that back in the future yeah. their goal is to keep their staff paid and on board so that mm. when because this is likely to be a short term issue maybe yeah. three, four, six months whatever it might be they don't want to get to the end of that and say, we've got no staff because yeah. we couldn't pay them and we've all gone to look for other jobs. So there's different ways you can do things. We have to stay within the rules. But I think just you know, know your rights, know your workers' rights and you know, communicate to them what, what your plan is if there's a shutdown. Yeah. You know, put them in minds at ease as much as you can. I would suggest that staff would rather know even if it's not what they want. Mm-hmm. They'd rather know what it is than to go away not knowing. So even yeah. if what you say to them is they're not going to pay you, I would say still communicate that and let them know. So yeah. there's, there's no confusion. I think there's no substitute for being open and honest with your employees and um, and ensuring that uh, they are fully aware of what is happening out there and, and how that actually affects the business and why you're actually trying to, to put these measures into place. And, you know, we saw, you, you mentioned to me last week, we saw Flight Centre reducing to minimal days, reducing mm. days, et cetera. A lot of those staff are, are open to that and accept that yeah. and they recognise that, you know, at the tail end of this that they're going to get something back in return. And if you're open and telling people, hey, let's all try to work together on this, you'll be surprised how many people are, are willing to do yeah, that. absolutely. And, of course, um, moving on, obviously, with looking at your, your staff and the communications with your staff, we come on to the finances part, which is the bit that, we both get very excited about and have had some some great conversations on in the, in the last couple of weeks. And that's really about the importance of stress testing your financials. And um, as an exercise, not obviously not just for now, but obviously for, for in, in normal day business as well. So tell me a little bit more about how businesses should look at stress testing their financials. Yeah, I mean, I think the first point that I want to make here is that if we go back a little bit to what we talked mm. about, you know, this is likely to be a supply and demand issue, right? Yeah. If you look at Italy and various places, there's less people in the street. People who are sick are not going out and buying, going to restaurants and eating. They're not doing these things. Yeah. So the issue here is most likely going to be much more around cash flow Yeah. and having money to pay bills, having money to buy stock once you're up and running again, having money to pay staff. This is going to be the, the critical issue and, and the government, you know, has recognized that through some of these packages that they're creating. We're not going to talk about those today. But yeah. 
So that's really the, the key focus. The key focus should not be on profit. Mm-hmm. Profit is going to be an outcome of all of this, and hopefully it won't be too horrible, and hopefully you'll be able to catch up on things. But cash yeah. flow is what's going to kill the business. If you can't pay your staff, your bills, you can't buy the next round of inventory once people are buying again, that's yeah. going to kill you. So that's really the main sort of game here. Yeah. And there's limited things, but there are things you can do. Money in, money out. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what we're talking about here, right? And yeah, um, the first thing is, is knowing, knowing what your in and outs should be. Mm. And I think, you know, you've got some great tools to model all, all this stuff, Andrew, you know, with Chizoodle, which is, which is fantastic. But you need to make an assessment. What, yeah. what do I think these costs are going to look like? And what do I think the money is going to be in? And then once you sort of know that, you can start to do some analysis, which again is where Chizoodle comes in and say, right, yeah. what happens if, if, my, if I have no, let's say I'm, I'm a restaurant. What happens mm. if I have no uh, people coming into my restaurant for one month? Yeah. Two months, three months. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What does that mean for my I'm business? still paying my staff. Yeah, I'm still paying staff. All of my food goes off. I have yeah. to rebuy. This stuff doesn't have to be complex. You know, mm-hmm. people think, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. Business owners know, know already. They already know what makes their business finances run. Yeah. It's just a bit of a taking back, step back and saying, right, what happens if X happens for a month? What are the things that yeah. could happen to us? Two months, yeah. three months, whatever it might. Absolutely. And constantly and keep keep an eye on that cash. Totally, totally. And then there's the ways that you can increase your cash. I mean, if, if going back to that restaurant scenario, mm. maybe no one's coming to your restaurant, but maybe you have a chance to deliver. Yeah, if absolutely. People in isolation. So, you know, when you're thinking about your revenue, are there new streams, are there new yeah. income streams that you're not tapping into today or that could be larger? Very much um, so. So really, the only thing that you can do, there's really only three levers, right? Get more money as yep. in cash. Get someone to give you cash. Increase revenue. Decrease costs. Yeah. There's not too much else you can do, right? Yeah. Um, or defer costs. Don't or pay defer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, there's, there's some tricky pieces with that. So, yep. so let's sort of go through those. So mm. short-term cash. If you want short-term cash, do it now. If you want an yep. overdraft from the bank, if you want to look at non-bank lenders, yeah. get that set up now because the stock market is not looking good. Banks are going to start to feel nervous about lending. If things start going downward, it will be very, very difficult for you to get that loan when you've been closed for a month already. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, get in so early. Even if don't... you don't think you need it, <laughs> secure it now. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Uh, the longer you wait, the riskier it becomes, I think. Yeah, very, very much so. Excellent. I think the the other thing is um, stretching your, and reducing payments where you can. So if you've got already got loans and things in place, uh, we've had record reductions in interest mm-hmm. rates over the last few years. You know, have a look at those repayments. Is there a way yeah. to to renegotiate those repayments right now if you haven't done that recently? And yeah. that way you're reducing your overall payments. It's not really impacting anything. Um, I went through this recently with a customer and they were able to halve their repayments because they had yeah. money things for seven or eight years. Oh, and wow. they're in the same position. Yeah. Okay, yes, it'll take over and take a bit longer to, to pay down, but they're not paying any more interest or anything else yeah. really ultimately in the short term. So, you know, that was something that you know, to look at. And then you've got rents, the tax department. These are areas where perhaps 
uh, those people are also going to recognise this problem and, and maybe they're going to help you out and defer or, or to change some things there. Uh, and they're absolutely. often the big, the big dogs, right? Yeah, absolutely. Funny enough, I had um, I had an email this morning from a small business in Victoria. We'd sent uh, an email out um, yesterday with um, with the link to your to, to the um, the survey and the various resources that we've done together. And the business owner essentially has said that it's a heartbreaking time for her because she's having to ask her staff to reduce voluntarily reduce hours and, and so forth. And that really hit home with me personally that that this business owner, and I certainly won't, won't name names, um, but this business owner is doing the right thing by her business and her staff. And I think it's really important to remember that we will come out of this at, at some stage and that you should manage your, your wage bill accordingly, but don't think, don't forget about the future as well. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, you know, um, the point that you made about doing the business and the people of service, you know, you, mm. I, I I agree with you. And, and a lot of people who are employed are also going to be nervous. And if your yeah. business closes, their income's gone. And uh, I actually saw something in, from Kochi, you know, Kochi, the, yeah. he, he runs this sort of uh, blog. And I saw a note in the blog there, which I don't know what this means because it's very vague, but it said many Australian households are two weeks away from homelessness if they lose their main source of income. Oh, my word. So if you're thinking about, you know, asking people to cut their wages back, et cetera, many people are going to be, you know, they're going to be open to that. And mm. that's, I imagine, a much better scenario than saying, sorry, bye-bye. So yeah. you know, do think about these things as being, uh, you know, better than worst-case scenarios rather than thinking about them being a bad thing. Of course it's heartbreaking. Of course it's sad. Of yeah. course it's not what anybody wants. But in order to be able to come out the other side and put those people back to full employment, you're going to have to work through it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one area that we haven't talked about, and it's an area that is probably just as important, is um, is ensuring that you secure your supply chain. Uh, maybe you can talk us through a couple of the areas on the checklist that, that, that businesses might need to think about there. Yeah, I think the supply chain is a, a really critical one. Um, mm. We've seen already people having issues with supply chain coming from overseas and we've seen we've seen a run on various products in the shops which is putting stress on those supply chains as well yeah so i think the first thing is to sort of going back to that modeling piece try to understand what could be out of the things that i supply the services and the products that i have what is likely to change from a demand point of view yeah high-end luxury items they're likely to slow down in demand anything to do with health and safety may increase in demand so think about what you have and, and what you're doing, your services, and sort of work out, are there some things within your portfolio that could be higher demand than others? Are there some that are mm. going to tank? And then once, once you understand that, then make sure you focus on your supply chain for those things that you get demand and focus yep. on reduction of supply of those things. Be okay with it and even focus on reducing your inventory for those things where you think you have lower demand. It's a tricky situation because just like with the farmers in drought, you know, they get rid of their cattle, it could take years for them to get back because yeah. they need a base level to be able to breed, et cetera. So it's a really, really tricky fine balance and, and something you want to be careful of. You may come back at the end of, you know, this, you know, this coronavirus issue mm. and you may need an influx in stock. We don't know that. But again, what you're trying to do is just say, right, how do I right-size this stuff? Yeah. Um, another key thing, I think, is to look at your alternative suppliers. They may be more expensive, 
but more expensive is probably better than being out of stock in many cases. And so look at your alternative suppliers. I think another thing that could be interesting here is if you do have alternate suppliers, one thing to think about Mm. is they may not take credit. If you're you're new to them, they may not want to give you goods on credit, especially in this environment. So you may want to think about that from your cash flow point of view as well. Absolutely. That could be a critical area in actual fact. You're absolutely right there. I think the other thing that you could do is work with some of your competitors. I know it sounds crazy. Is that crazy? They're all going to be in the the same boat. And if you've got a supply chain and they don't, or if they've got a supply chain and you don't, why not reach out to them and say, let's Mm. pull our resources. You know, we expect that overall our demand's going to go down. We've got customers, you've got customers. How can we help each other? I think it's worth doing that. I know a lot of people might be freaking out about that, but you know, maybe just make a relationship to begin with and uh, have a bit of a chat and then see how things go. But uh, don't be afraid of sort of digging into all of those different areas of the relationships you have now, but also, you know, look at, mm. look on the flip side. You could collaborate. I mean, we're not competitors, yeah. but, you know, we're doing yeah. collaboration on this. Absolutely. Now, that, that's re- really refreshing to hear, actually. And I don't think I've heard anybody else suggest that. That's a, that's a great idea. Excellent. We've got to think outside the box and be a bit creative. These are unusual times indeed. Absolutely. Okay. Just want to uh, move on for some uh, other practical planning. Obviously, we've said that business shocks um, (laughs) happen relatively regularly. I'm thinking about 9-11, SARS, a credit crunch, uh, now now obviously COVID-19, that maybe that business owners should always prepare uh, for business shocks. How can businesses best be prepared for the future shocks? Yeah, I mean, I think there's some things that we should always be doing just to make sure that we, we have an advantage. I mean, yeah. one of the big things is just understanding your customers, right? Getting very, yeah. very close to your customers, understanding the sort of issues that they're going to have during these yeah. shocks and seeing if you can reduce or help them overcome these issues. You know, it could be it could be in the forms of, of offering more, more credit to their business yeah. if you can afford that. It could be supplying different products. It could be not supplying products for a period of yeah. time. If you're in a subscription environment, for example, you know, there's there's various ways I think that uh, you can sit down and say, right, how's this going to impact uh, mm. customers? And if you yeah. understand who your customers are and how if you're close to them, you can react to that. Absolutely. That's a great piece of advice. Uh, another area is, is possibly building agility and uh, innovation into, into your business. Totally, totally. And I, I think a key thing here is the definition of innovation, right? I think a lot of business owners, <laughs> innovation means I need to come up with the next Google or the next yeah. Uber, but that's not the case. You know, innovation is just about making changes in a way where you're looking at new things in new ways, mm-hmm. uh, taking new approaches to things, and um, and could be even collaboration like we're doing now. Yeah. But you learn a lot. I've learned a lot from collaborating with you. You learn a lot from doing things a little bit differently. It doesn't have to be yeah. massively. No, absolutely. And, and funny, I was thinking about this um, uh, the other day, actually, and, and one of the areas of innovation, which um, at a time when uh, demand is reduced, could be worth looking at, is look at your, your internal processes. Where are the friction points in your internal processes that you can actually apply innovative methods to or streamline those processes to help meet your customer demand better. So now potentially is actually a really good time to start looking at at some of those uh, in your internal processes as well. Absolutely. And I think that's something you should be doing every single day. In fact, in the the, uh, Financial Peak Performance 
framework that we have, mm. part of that is actually that piece where we're managing people. Part of that is actually them coming to the forefront and, and providing solutions to things that you didn't even know was a problem, you know? Yeah. So because they're coming up with ideas on how to improve things. Yeah. As an internet business, one of the things that certainly I've learned over the last few years is, is um, right, at times you do need to put yourself in, in your customer shoes and start thinking about, right, what experience is your customer having um, from the moment they pick up the phone for the first time to the moment they receive their goods or their service and so forth? And can you really make that experience absolutely superior, for instance? Because that's what's going to keep your customers. And again, it may now, now might be the time to actually start just looking at your, your journeys that your customer takes in and throughout your business. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. And I'd like to use a very quick example of, um, mm. I won't say who it is, but one of the major telcos here in Australia went through yeah. this process uh, with them and, and we sat down and gave them all these different devices. And uh, none of them, none of the senior team had actually activated any service in 15 years because they'd been in the industry and they had their tech guy they knew and they said, hey, Bob, yeah. you know, tech guy Bob, get the sort yeah. for me. And uh, and they couldn't believe how difficult and complex it was. And they hadn't been investing any money in this area. We were trying to get them to do that. And uh, when they sat down and did it, I mean, they skipped lunch. They said, we're not going yeah. to, we're not going to, have lunch until we get the stuff done and they ended up skipping lunch. One of the guys, it took them three or four days to finally get it resolved and um, oh, really? it diabolical. So, yeah, yeah, so, you know, that's a really important aspect is to remember to sort of get in your customer's shoes and, and look at the things that they're going through day to day in relation to your services and your products. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess now it's also a good time to, for companies to look at their business models as well. Totally. Totally. We talked about delivery for the restaurant. You know, we uh-huh. talk about online. If you're not online, some online services. We've got Amazon here in Australia. We talked about getting on, on a Zoom call instead of the phone. Yeah. You know, are there different ways of, ways of delivering what you do if you're in the service industry? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's take some positives out of this current period because um, those businesses that adapt will, will, be, will be the prosperous ones in the future. Absolutely. And I think if you, you know, you can't, you can't totally prepare for business shocks of the future. You don't know what they yeah. look like. Yeah. But you, what you can do is make sure that you, you build some resilience into your model. Make sure that you have some flexibility. You have some diversification. You have some, some access to cash for bad yeah. times. You know, these are the things that you can do uh, within your business that you can keep doing forever. Yeah, absolutely. We're running running short on time. I, I don't know where the time has gone, actually. It's flown by this. Uh, obviously, we, uh, we know that business shocks end. Is there a danger that businesses put too much emphasis on the shock and not enough in terms of recovery periods? Yeah, there's, a, there's this big question around, you know, marketing spend now and various things. Oh, look, it's, it's really tricky. I mean, I think the key thing is to come out the other end. Yeah. That's really the key thing right now, right? Um, mm. Because there's so much uncertainty during a business shock, it's, it's easy to say don't do too much or you've done too much, too little. Yeah. I've never heard of a business that has failed because they reserve too much cash. They might be, they might be slow growing. Yeah. They might you know, miss out on some opportunities, but they'll still be around. And the businesses that do well in this world, they're the ones that manage risk well. Yeah. So I think um, I would, I'd be hesitant to say that Yes, you can do too much and be careful. But I'm also hesitant to say, no, you can't because you Mm. you can go either way. I think you've just got to be smart, logical. Don't panic and plan, right? Make sensible decisions. 
Absolutely. And, and plan, do them in advance. Think about them in advance. So you're not you're not scrambling, chasing suddenly. You'll still have this. You'll still something will come that you didn't expect. But at least on yeah. the whole, you're not scrambling, chasing, saying, Oh, I should have done this last month, I should have done this, yeah. you know, last week. Uh, I think that's the key thing because then it at least gives you that level of comfort. You've got some levers to, to use and dial. Going back to your business who asked everyone to reduce their hours and she's heartbroken, mm. well, who knows? Maybe maybe she's going to have to ask again. Maybe yeah. she'll have to ask people not to come to work at all. Mm. Like, we don't know that right now. But you just have to play it by ear and, and you know do the best you can. Yeah, absolutely. And, and take advantage of whatever opportunities are with us at that time to really look at that business. Totally, Definitely. totally. Excellent. Now we've been busy building some uh, a few resort a number of resources that are freely downloadable for businesses. So we we mentioned um, we've got the COVID nineteen checklist. We also have a risk assessment uh, template. And funny enough, I was looking on the Fair Work Australia website, and they recommend um, for, for workplace health and safety that a specific uh, risk assessment is done for COVID nineteen at the moment. So there's a free resource out there that, that can be downloaded as Fantastic. well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the other thing is a financial health check. So we, we did talk about obviously utilizing um, tools to make sure that you're, you're preserving as much cash as uh, possible and actually understanding what the effects of downturn would be. So we pulled together a little financial checklist and, and guide to help businesses. And there's also an offer for all clients um, that, that download the guide in there for a free period for Jazoodle as well, because we want to get people through this period. And Jazoodle is, I say it's myself, obviously, but Jazoodle is uh, obviously a great tool for and a very simple tool for really um, making detailed future scenarios in your business. And you can model downturns in revenue, down, uh, decreases in costs, etc. And you can see what the effect is of that is going to be. On your business, I think you're being a little bit humble there, uh, Andrew. <laughs> and you know, I think the fact that you guys are offering up to three months free to use Jazoodle mm. to model your business is fantastic. And I really would sort of encourage people to look at that and to to see how they can utilize it because uh, the whole piece around you know just that emotional piece we talked about at the very beginning of having a yeah. peace of mind, you know, just being able to do some of that will help. And and depending on how good you are or not with numbers, you know, just mm. can help you can help you along with that journey. So uh, I think it's great that you're offering that and uh, really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Greg. Yep. It's, uh, we're quite proud of the tool, that's for sure. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so just in, uh, in closing, if there was uh, one piece of advice you could give it to any business owner or, or entrepreneur in order to get through business shocks, what would it be? I would say it uh, would totally be focused on cash flow. Yeah and communicate yeah absolutely um as an entrepreneur and a business owner typically we're always chasing the next shiny thing we mm-hmm. want to go bigger and better and uh, you know this is a time to just take a step back a little bit and yeah. recognize that there's bigger things at play um, mm. there's humans at play there's human health at play just sort of take a breath and recognize that you're not going to get the immediate growth, the immediate things that you want to get done, but that's okay. Yeah. You can refocus on those later. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great piece of advice. So um, where can listeners find out about more about yourself and uh, Lucature? Because um, we talked about Jazoodle, and Jazoodle can pull the numbers and provide brilliant scenarios, but without the framework and the advice of your trusted advisors such as yourself, um, Brad, where can people find you? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you can definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn through any of the pieces of information that we put out there over the next few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can grab me at uh, lucature.com. And uh, I'm not sure, Andrew, if you're going to add some details in the, uh, some of the materials that uh, we're putting yep. out there for Jazoom as well. But, you know, one of the things that we always do is we offer a 45-minute uh, strategy session to anyone who wants to have that. There's no obligation. It's totally free. So that's something that people can uh, take advantage of. And um, I think maybe another thing we can do is uh, set up a, a shorter calendar appointment if anybody wants to be walked through any of the tools. So maybe that's something yeah. you and I yeah, this, look this at. Yeah, let's pull something together. Yeah, and um, that way people just can, we can set a quick meeting for maybe 15 minutes, mm-hmm. 30 minutes, uh, where someone can say, hey, I've got this tool. Uh, I can sort of see how it works for my business. I've done ABC. What yeah. else should I do? I'd be happy to facilitate that and help people get through this, uh, this next few months. Excellent, and that's the that's the key key thing. That's for sure. Well, Brad, I really don't know where the time went. As that's just absolutely <laughs> flown by. Thank you very much, as ever. Your your knowledge and experience is just unreal. And, and I think really the key message is people not to panic out there. There is help available, uh, and to take a logical and rational approach. Let's utilize some of the tools that we've got together for for everyone and utilize the people around you as well because there's a, there's a wealth of uh, knowledge around. Yep, totally agree. I mean, this will be it's going to be difficult for some businesses, it's going to be extremely profitable for some businesses, mm. but it's going to be short-lived. And yeah. you know, don't panic, but do plan and uh, you know, let's all support each other to get through it. Absolutely. With that, very great words. Thank you very much, Brad, for your, for your time today and being a guest on the Founders Podcast. Thanks, Andrew. It was good fun. And uh, we'll be back with another episode, hopefully a more normal episode uh, in the not-too-distant future. Thanks, Brad. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.